Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Hands-On Safety. And today we have a very special guest, but I want to uh, make sure y'all know that our usual crew is here as well. So George is with us today on the road. Hey, hello, everybody from uh, Dublin, Georgia. I'm on the road up to Nashville. On Thankfully, the road he will. Again. Sorry. <laughs> Thankfully, he will not be uh, podcasting and driving today. Just uh, sitting and enjoying snacks while we talk. And I am we... parked. I am parked. Yay! <laughs> okay. good, good road safety practices. And we have Megan with us as well. Hello. I am not on the road. I'm in my usual recliner. <laughs> as long as you're comfortable. I am that indeed. <laughs> Good. No falling asleep. <laughs> I shall not. And today we also have a very special guest uh, with us today is um, Steve Vasquez. Hello, everybody. It's good to be here. Let me know if I drift away from the mic. <laughs> <laughs> I will. You sound just fine. So, Steve, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. A little bit about myself. Okay. Um, I served in the U.S. Army. Uh, I was wounded about 13 years ago uh, from the date of this recording uh, in, in back in May of 2008, uh, while on the ground serving with the U.S. Army in Baghdad, Iraq. Um, on that day, I lost all my sight and uh, a good friend and, and, and stuff, but um, I made it back because of my buddies and uh, I've been able to do a lot of wild things in the past uh, 13 years. Um, just try and you know rebuild my life and pursue things I always dreamt about, you know, not let blindness get in the way. I can get into more details, but yeah, I, I, I'm into a lot of things. So a lot of, a lot of outdoor activity, adventuring, climbing, skiing, sailing, hiking, you name it, you know, kayaking. Um, but also I'm very techie. I like computers and I, I work with a lot of different things. I like music. I'm a drummer. So I'm all over the place, I think, kind of. Nice. So you and I were introduced to each other uh, through a mutual friend um, who volunteers in my blind rehab center. And I really, I, I looked at your website after uh, Tracy introduced us and really enjoyed seeing the way you have gotten out and done so much since you lost your sight. Um, that's one thing I try to instill in people is you don't have to let it change you. Um, you can You can do whatever you want to do. And you just have to find alternative ways to do that. So you've done a lot of, like you said, um, kayaking and outdoor activities and rock climbing and stuff. And um, that's something I really wanted to talk a little bit about today. Um, since our show is all about safety, how you think about safety when you are doing some of these activities? Yeah, it's a it's an interesting question. The thing I kind of tell people. Uh, cause they, they're, they're really shocked to hear, you know, so some people, not everybody, um, uh, about someone like myself, blind, completely blind. I have no light perception. I wear prosthetic eyes, um, going and, and doing some of these things, like, especially whitewater kayaking. And, and, and they, they always say, um, Steve, you almost died once why why are you trying to do all this stuff and and and, and risk being hurt or injured even you know even more mm -hmm. um 
I, I, you know, the interesting thing is, I think when you pursue something like these activities, you're generally, I mean, if you're being smart about it, intelligent, you are actively, you know, assessing the risk, uh, planning, training, and, and and working with a team. Uh, the team usually is, uh, for me, uh, I have specifics on how I, I operate and and who I'm, you know, you know who who I'm okay with working with, you know, and it depends on the level, uh, the intensity of of, of the activity. Uh, so you know, if it's someone new, uh, that's going to be a new guide, for instance, someone guiding me. Uh, we're I'm not going to go do some class for rapid with with the new guide. Uh, I, I'm going to do stuff in a pond or a lake or like very slow moving water. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing for a lot of these other, other activities and sports. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I, I find it um, interesting how safe I have been on these trips. I've never been uh, knock on wood, uh, seriously uh, injured or wounded, you know, uh, uh, on any of these um, trips. I mean, I've climbed almost on every continent, um, all the way uh, above 20, 21,000 feet um, in the Himalayas and the Andes and the Caucasus and Russia and the Sierra Nevada, a bunch of mountain ranges here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. I, li- I live in the western Colorado. But yeah, the sa- safety is a big part of it. So you said you, you work with various people when you go do these activities. Um, how do you go about finding guides to go with you on these trips do you are you working with um specific companies you know like whitewater tour companies or are you um finding individuals that are just interested in the same sports um how do you sure. what kind of process do you have for that yeah that's a good question um because it's it's always nice to try to share that kind of information with with others uh, and, and i i do quite a bit uh, with blind and visually impaired individuals um it's all about networking, you know. It's uh, I I think what was the, the the trigger or the spark in the very beginning after I lost my sight back in uh, two thousand eight, I was laying around thinking about where my life was headed and and what what the journey was going to be and if I could even pursue some of the things I wanted to do. I was actually very uh, depressed, of course, and but I I I wrote uh, a, a message to. Because I, I I found this gentleman Eric Weinmayer. Uh, it was he was referred to me his book, and other 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 people too. Um, their stories these 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 veterans or these blind civilians that were doing some of the things that I was interested in, in, in pursuing. And so I donated a little bit of money and wrote a long message to Eric, or, well, to a foundation called Global Explorers at the time. Uh, now it's part of a No Barriers uh, organization uh, based out of Colorado. Mm-hmm. But the, this organization passed my message along to Eric because um, I had mentioned I wanted to learn how to climb and who's the best person to learn from, you know, is, is someone else that's climbing. And I was lucky, fortunate that I made the connection and he called me up and in, invited me on a trip. And from that point forward, um, I have just networked with a tremendous amount of people who uh, who give me the opportunity to to to, to do these things. Uh, I, of course, now uh, you know, marching forward, I have um, I, ha- I have made friends with complete strangers and, and groups, mm-hmm. and, and and try to use the experiences and, and techniques and, and systems I've learned to. Um, 
to teach them, you know, and to work with them. But but it, it is definitely networking and just reaching out to different organizations, whether it be like No Barriers or or, or Challenge Athletes Foundation or USABA. There's a bunch of different organizations out there. Uh, United States Association of Blind Athletes is what I was uh, the acronym USABA. But but yeah. Um, I think uh, it all began with that letter, and and then I was just connected to this whole network of people that were already working with blind individuals or willing to to try to help and guide, you know. Right. Hey, uh, this is George uh, George Freeman, first time caller. Um, <laughs> first of all, uh, Steve, um, want well, thank you for your service. Uh, like yourself, um, I was also in the army. I'm retired. Well, thank um, you for your service. Appreciate it. And my last job, um, interestingly, was at Walter Reed as a cadre at WTU. So my question is, did you have any experience? For those who don't know, WTU is it's a word tran- a transition unit, something called transition transition brigade. So for those who are uh, ill, wounded, or are or injured, uh, got shipped from theater or from other installations to Walter Reed or some of the other. Uh, WTUs they had in the country. For those who don't, I've never heard that before. Did you have to go to a WTU? So at that time, it would have been pretty new. Um, yeah, I had an AW2 officer uh, uh, wor- that worked with me. I think that was the title. Uh, but uh, okay. um, I, I was attached to, uh, yeah, a warrior transition unit. Uh, I believe that was the proper uh, name for, for the WTU, correct? Uh, right. Right. And where was where was your was you in Colorado at the time? Where did you go? Somewhere no, else? no, no. I uh, well, my home, my resident home of record was uh, Illinois. I uh, had deployed out of Fort Hood, Texas, when, when I was okay. wounded. But Colleen, uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, for I was with the Fourth Infantry Division to be specific. But uh, I ended up being I was attached to Fort Knox while I was attending. So I was active duty for. A few years actually while i was going through blind rehab and my first or my only uh, you know blind center that i have really uh, t- taken courses and classes and stuff training at is is at edward hines jr va hospital in the chicago area and so um while i was there uh, i worked with an aw2 officer um and and different people from knox that were at that wtu and so we i would travel down there to do all my med board medical you know evaluation stuff so okay yeah it's the reason i'm asking because i know when i was there so i, I was there uh, 2014 to 2017 uh at bethesda maryland at walter reed uh-huh. and they had a big uh adaptive sports program i mean it was huge it's like so big that um every year they had regionals and then they had the championship whatever they called it you know we had to fly like the hood or somewhere else for it so it really got big into so i wonder if you actually had uh ever encounter anyone with it or had any experience with those programs because it seemed to be still a, a big thing with the WTU now is having those who um who've been wounded to get back out there and start doing things. So but you were early on, you know, when we said uh two thousand eight. Um, two thousand eight said Fallujah? I was in ba- in Iraq, ba- Baghdad. Iraq. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you were on as we said so you were early on at the beginning of the WTU, but they've come to uh, embody a lot of adaptive sports. So I'm not sure you, you do anything with. Have you done anything with anyone uh, with WTUs or with the uh, other Army programs they have available? Um, I, the WTU, unfortunately, when I was 
going. They they uh, they were not sure how to work with me. I didn't spend much time at all, literally at in, in at Knox. I actually lived, of course, in in Illinois and Chicago, even after being discharged from the VA. Uh, as an active duty soldier in an apartment near the VA in Chicago for about a year. I can't remember now, but I, I was very remote from the WTU. I mean, my squad leader that worked with me was very close with me, but they were not pushing adaptive sports very much then. The, there were So there were people that were coming to the... My first... Um, encounter with adaptive sports was there was a gentleman, his name is uh, Richard Cardillo. He used to work for USABA. He is now, I think, in um, in Sun Valley, Idaho uh, with uh, higher ground, If I, unless something's changed. But uh, Richard uh, came out and he gave a briefing to some of the uh, blind rehabilitation specialists, and, and I was not present, but they disseminated that. You know, they provided that information to the veterans, especially uh, myself. And I started getting involved with tandem cycling and Paralympic sport. And I did do stuff with you, the U.S. You know, Paralympic military program uh, early on, and, and was pursuing a lot of that. Uh, but specifically, like. Um, with the WTU, I, I I I didn't get pushed in any direction there, unfortunately. But I know a lot of, a lot of things have changed and improved, uh, and, and of course the culture has changed. Um, I, I think it had been changing even before uh, my injury. But I I think you know instead of just drugs and, and medicine, you know there we've really embraced the idea of you know therapeutic things like you know. Uh, you know, physical things and you know, activity or, or even music or whatever, you know, other, other, right. other kinds of methods of, of healing and, and, and helping with stress and, and stuff. So. No, you're absolutely right. Cause I know when I left, um, there, I think they're even, um, authoring alternative medicine. They were doing acupuncture, um, yeah. music therapy, writing, all this stuff. So I, I know from those who had been involved early on, uh, that I came encounter with, it was a total, you know, different, uh, mindset is more of a holistic point of view of dealing with it. So it was a great experience for me uh, dealing with soldiers that had, you know, injuries and, and uh, whatever their mental or physical. I uh, saw so a lot of different things that put me in a very um, different mind space after coming from a line unit to, you know, going uh, to WTU as a cadre. Um, yeah, I can so, imagine. Yeah, I learned a lot. I learned a lot more about amputees than I think I ever wanted to. The humor, <laughs> I, learned, I learned about the humor for those who have, you know, disabilities or Oh, it's dark humor. Like That's one of the individuals, yeah. like you have an Allen wrench. I'm like, why? He goes, I'm going to start walking. My foot's going to spin around on me. I'm like, what? <laughs> so, it was just some crazy stuff. So I, I yeah. learned a lot about that, uh, about the, um, the empathy part of it and, and having, have a better understanding of what mm -hmm. the individual is going through. Yes. Um, and I think that helps out a lot because, um, it's the empowerment that you get from it. Uh, so I'm glad that you, you're doing uh, the things that you're doing, you know, the climbing. I, I used to love to climb when I was in college. Wasn't very good at it, but I didn't put that much effort into it. But I think that's really <laughs> awesome that uh, one thing that you do. And I would love to maybe um, talk more about this connecting maybe with some uh, other uh, service members who may need the same type of uh, interaction. Most definitely. You know, de yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. I was introduced to climbing. I I was born um, visually impaired, but I lost the remainder of my vision 
six years ago, and I was introduced to climbing during my training in blind rehab, and um, I really fell in love with it. It's it's one of the few times I'm very ADD and scattered, and it's it's one of the few places that I really focused and have a very uh, zen-like uh, meditative state when I'm climbing and, and really enjoy it. But I don't don't get a lot of climbing opportunities in South Mississippi. <laughs> no, I agree. Uh, it, it's very tactile. It's very, and it, you know, you have to focus when you know on what you're doing, and you really, um, I it just it just the whole technique of especially rock climbing. Yeah, like a, a class five, you know. Uh, basically sheer, you know, rock wall climbing yeah. is, is definitely a lot of fun. Absolutely. I think my, my, um, I, I've made it as high as 50 feet at this point, maybe <laughs> a little higher, but. <laughs> cool. cool. Yeah. Right where I live here is a world renowned ice park and uh, they, I climb frozen waterfalls, you know, basically in the winter uh, in, in this town called Uray, which is in the Western slopes of Colorado south of grand junction probably like an hour and 45 mm-hmm. minutes but uh people come from all over the world to climb here and that's why i moved to this region because strategic foothold i can hit valleys and mountains and and rock walls and and there's huge reservoirs 15 mile long you know blue mesa is a lake basically nice. so so there's just all kinds of activity yeah right so, yeah colorado is a great place for activity yes sorry megan go ahead uh, sorry, Leslie, I didn't. I thought you were done. Um, so, Steve, so for some of our listeners who may not know, um, for your climbing expeditions, what uh-huh. sort of accommodations do you make? Um, you said you have a guide, but um, what other tools do you use? Yeah, I uh, when well, the, the, so w- when I say I climb, I, I do a little bit of every kind, you know, trad climbing where you, you know, you climb with, uh, there's lead climbers and there could be multiple climbers and you're putting in protection and a lot of different kinds of equipment like cams and bolts and nuts and just to like you cram into crevices and stuff. Then there's, you know, mountaineering where you're trying to bag summits and you're trying to move to the tops of peaks. So it's a big journey. It, it could be just hiking on your feet, you know, but it could also be scrambling and a little bit of climbing, you know, here and there, you know, with some fixed rope or, or it could be a glacial. I've been on glaciated peaks, you know, like Mount Rainier uh, and peaks in the Himalayas and stuff where you're kicking into a, 60 plus degree slope and, and with crampons and your rope together as a rope team because you could fall into a crevasse and so you know that but that lends itself to you know being blind although you can hear the crunch of snow you can feel rope you know the rope if if you are a, you know rope together but often in mountaineering mountaineering is what I love to do so I, I like the idea of traveling to a different part of the world. Uh, experiencing the culture, the language, the the food, you know, the cuisine, uh, and, and everything in between, and the camaraderie of a, a, a it reminds me of serving in a unit. You know, I, I was an infantryman, and I really enjoyed uh, serving alongside my buddies, and and miss it. But uh, so mountaineering kind of gives me this thrill that I, I feel like I I still have, and it's it challenges me. It. it it makes it it forces me to to be independent i mean i want to be independent i don't want people carrying me i want to pack my you know my bag mm-hmm. i want to do it properly so i can get my equipment out but the main tools i think you know megan you're probably hinting at is i use trekking poles um 
I, I, I've used everything you could think of in the in the last 13 years. You know, just everything from just following music to people's footsteps to uh, just 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 being just being really observant and 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 spatially aware and feeling the trail. Like you know, literally, you you can tell when you walk off a trail um, just just because it's it's been beaten and you know mm -hmm. in the path. But uh, the, the the two systems. Um, that I probably use most frequently. Uh, I have my own trekking poles. So more or less that helps with balance and feeling out the trail. Mm -hmm. So I plant my trekking poles in front of my feet. And if my poles are there and it's solid, I step there and I move very quickly and fluidly in that regard. It's almost like a, it's two versions of a long white cane. And so um, you could take one trekking pole and swing it back and forth. And it's, you know, it's, it's a very st strong, sturdy, uh, telescopic uh, pole that, that is better for outdoors. A graphite, like long white cane would not work well in, in some situations. Um, but yeah, then I follow a, a, a guide who, who's in front of me generally. And it, ideally, if I have another person, they're behind me. And they may just say something if I get too close to a danger space or zone. And we, we've developed communication, right. <laughs> everything from like knee knockers, shin bangers, toe trippers, you know, head, uh, you know, head bangers, uh, you know, all these different kinds of terminology. And it, it changes from one you know, guide to another because everybody kind of expresses themselves differently right. and speaks so so yeah I, I can go i can explain lots of different things you guys just ask whatever questions you want um i don't know yeah I, I i hope that answered your question to some degree that did fantastic thank you you're welcome yeah i learned very quickly that you can use all kind of things in replace of a white cane yeah <laughs> poles and and paddles and exactly uh, whatever you need very true Steve, I won't hold it against you that you were infantry. It's okay, man. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, it's all right. I was a tanker, so you know, supposedly. Oh, Kilo. I was also stationed at one time too. So, I I love my, I love my tanker brethren. So, I, uh, my buddy who who died next to me, uh, Victor Coda was his name, uh, was a tanker. Uh, cool. But um, so uh, no, I have much much uh, much pride for for. For tankers what kind of an inspiration or inspiring words or suggestions you have for individuals who like you said you were thinking about you didn't know what you want to do but you want to do something so how would you motivate someone to say hey this is what what you should do not what you need to do but what you might want to uh, might think about doing or how would you inspire someone to get off you know on, get off the bed and onto their feet and try something new Absolutely. Um, you know, inspiration was a funny word for me after I lost my sight. I never really, I, I, I never, you know, to be honest, I don't recall a time in my life before I lost my sight where I was exclaimed or, or, or told that I was an inspiration or, you know, uh, necessarily. And so to answer your question, I, I, I like to try lead by example, if I can inspire uh, anybody, it's 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 to to try hard and do the things that I've always wanted to do. But what I what I do from all of that, from the experiences and from questions and statements people have have, have provided to me, I have realized um, that yeah that that 
I mean, what I find inspiring about my story and many other men and women's stories that are in the same position as me is the never give up attitude to drive hard and fast, you know, forward and, and, and to really try to figure out how to adapt, how to, you know, just, just figure out an unconventional method or means to, to solving a problem and, and to, to kind of push that idea that you have to do something like the flock of sheep or like the conventional, you know, conventional wisdom says, um, and, and uh, sometimes you can maybe meet that standard uh, to some degree, but a lot of times you can't. And I think um, the hardest thing to do is, it, some you know, for for me when I think about laying in the hospital bed and uh, being stuck in my mind, uh, I, I I I I'm an easily uh, motivated and driven person. Uh, I always have been. I know some people are not necessarily, and uh, I, I've dealt with plenty. Over the years, I'm always mentoring and trying to uh, help others go and do things that they've never tried or, or, or pursued. And, and I think the best thing uh, you can do is if you notice someone like that, uh, you try to encourage them to do something uh, that would, would, would change their, their, their thought process and, and maybe get them, especially in a blind, visually impaired. I think for me, what, what's so thrilling and and uh, rejuvenating, you know, that makes you feel like you're going in a good direction, you know, with this pursuit of physical activity, uh, is you're moving. And, and I have the saying like, moving is living. And so, you know, when you when you're blind and you can't see things, and you've known a world of movement and and how you perceive the world with your sight, uh, your vision, it's 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 kind of hard when you can't when that's gone, and and it, it almost makes it almost makes you want to be sedentary or, or still, at least I, I can feel that at times in my life, you know, through my recovery, but I hope just leading by example and sharing how you do these things, like, like what you guys are helping me do here, it will inspire others to, to, to maybe step out of their comfort zone and, and try something. I like that. So I, I get this, this army vibe from that, you know, lead from uh, by example, which is yeah. Purely, you know, one of military thing. Do you, um, well, how long were you in, in the service? Not very long. I enlisted in January of 07. I, my whole goal was to really, you know, like, like a lot of guys to pursue, you know, different, you know, amazing things. You know, uh, I, I had high, high standards, high goals. I wanted to be a green beret. I wanted to pr- pursue gotcha. special forces, a medical sergeant specifically. I wanted to be a, you know, I wanted to help people, you know, and, uh, and so I, I deploy. I deployed that same year in November uh, timeframe for a sixty-month deployment to Baghdad. Uh, with but I had volunteered to get there early because uh, I, I I got in a security detail for a, a brigadier general, and so that was my ticket to go uh, to war yeah. sooner, basically, because I was put somewhere where I was not going to go anywhere for a while. So I got out of that to go to war, uh, which you know. Uh, I, I could say all kinds of wise things, I guess, about Russian Russian off to war. But yeah, that's how long I served. I, I'm sorry, I, I, I was probably only a year in, you know, basically when, when I was wounded. So it's, it's okay. it wasn't very long, year and a half. But, but I can tell some of your, your military experience seemed to give you a certain. Well, you also had that driven goal as being special forces. I mean, you already had a goal. You're, you're driven. You're already driven uh, by by saying I, I know you were driven. So I think you picked up probably on some of those nuances about 
how we think in the military, you know, and make it happen. You know, you want to lead by example. And uh, I think that's, that's awesome that you have those things. Um, the reason I asked that question, I have a friend of mine, he's cited, but he's a double amputee. And his way of motivating people is pretty much punking them out. Like, look what I'm doing. <laughs> Why aren't you doing this? Like, if I'm just arm and leg on the same side and you're laying in bed crying about it, get up. And I'm like, I could never be able to do that because then I'm looked at it as a total, you know, a-hole if I were to say something like that. But him, <laughs> they just look at him like, okay, I guess you're right. Uh, so I just want to know people have different ways of motivating depending on, you know, uh, their ex- experiences. Um, and it's some things that I know I could never do. Cause it would not work well for me. I'd be like, he's just a great bully. Uh, but my, my buddy, though, that's how he does it. He will try to punk you. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes, you know, I adapt to the person, uh, everybody, I can have tough love and, and, and give someone, you know, some, some, a bit of an edge of, you know, on, on things, or I can, you know, I can be the opposite, but, but yeah. And you kind of, I, you feel you got to feel that out, you know, with people, especially in early on in their injury, you know. But what I've noticed about, like, you bring up the veteran thing. I mean, I, I've always my I have a lot of family members that served in the military, and so uh, it was something that I was. I, I lived in New York, uh, about twenty five minutes from where the towers fell when nine eleven occurred, and it's one big reason why I wanted to serve. But serving in the military teaches you a lot of, I mean, the military and those experiences teach you a lot of mechanisms and methods for coping with things, some, some good, some bad. Uh, and, and, and I definitely apply a lot of that to, to my, you know, to my recovery and rehab. Steve, you're hitting my buttons, man. You know, military combat arms like myself. I'm from New York, lived in New York, man. (laughs) Yeah, man. That's so interesting. Small war, small world. <laughs> yeah. I just get around a lot. So, so. <laughs> you know, I, trust, I probably wouldn't tell too many people that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, people know. People know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the safety stuff is it's very interesting um, depending on the activity, like whitewater kayaking, which can be very, um, very dynamic, you know, hydraulics on, on a river. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, really can do a lot of pull you in different directions and it's it, your guides are always moving. Uh, and, and so that safety, the safety there is different from like hiking on a mountain. You know, I control my step very, very quickly. I can stop or move when I want to. I can't control an avalanche or a rock slide, but I can control where I want to go very quickly, you know, right. whereas, whereas skiing or, or, or kayaking, you're, you're moving, you know, you're moving quickly uh, sometimes and, and it's, there's no breaks really, you know, necessarily. Uh, uh, and so it's, it, the safety kind of has a lot to do with developing um, a relationship with your guide. Your guide needs to understand how to read you. And, uh, and also you need to, you, I mean, blind athletes, Technically, in my opinion, they learn really quickly how to read their guides uh, if you're doing it at all uh, in an abundance, you know, pursuing activity and, and because you, you become it's like a second, you know, it's like this. I don't know how to explain it. You just you just really feel the vibe with your guide, you know, like how they're if they're stressed, 
it can make you stressed. Yeah, you, uh, and maybe this this that is this, communication yeah, thing again. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, and you guys have. I just was trying to uh, go go back to maybe some, something related to, to to what we were talking about earlier. I don't want to veer too too much. <laughs> no, <against>. you're good. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've I've worked um, a little bit in rock climbing. I've done whitewater rafting um, yeah. to a small extent, and um, I did a lot of kayaking. I lived on the river for a few years and um, was Ooh. able to learn the river well enough to, you know, to put a radio out on my pier and then go out on my own and have those auditory landmarks of the the steam plant down the road yeah, uh, from us and uh, different things on the river to kind of give me an idea of where I was um, and really enjoyed that. But uh, whitewater rafting was so much fun. <laughs> I had a great time doing that and um, definitely having that communication, um, you know, not only the verbal communication of interacting, but, but listening. Yes. And, and being an active listener and, and knowing, understanding the information that you're being given and, and using it in the right ways is really important, especially in a fa- fast paced, something fast paced like kayak. activity. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's you know listening is whether it's the, the the verbal cues and commands from your guide, but it's every sport has its it's, it's every environment, you know, this ecosystem has its sounds, and it, that gives you context. And the more you pursue something as a blind athlete or a, a, as a human being, it doesn't mm-hmm. even matter if you're blind. Right. You really, you really kind of hone into these sounds, you know, uh, like when you're skiing, certain kinds of sounds mean my guide is passing through crunchy ice, you know, ahead of me, you know, I, okay, maybe I'll need to edge more, you know, and those, those become second nature uh, to you as a blind athlete and as a just person. But I definitely, you know, people, I think I, I don't find it that fascinating, actually, that I <laughs> that I can pursue a lot of these things. Again, I'm proud and inspired by my my drive to never quit to try, because that can be very hard to just, you know, to, you know, people we, we can easily give up because we're ch- too challenged or or frustrated or stressed out. Right. And that's that's the key thing is, you know, I've failed many times. I, I have had lots of problems. I've been pissed off many times. and uh, But uh, one thing that I've always tried to keep in the back of my mind is, you know, just, just okay, let's take a damn break and come back, you know, and, and try again later. And, uh, yep. and and that's the best way to to get better at something. I, I, no one generally uh, can just you know, go into something and, you know, be a gold medalist or something, you know, I mean, you, you become, you, you improve over time, even, even with a disability, you, you, you can improve your, your ability to accomplish and do things. Yeah. I hear that a lot. I get a lot of veterans who, you know, maybe working with them. Um, I've taught technology and living skills and, and orientation and mobility. And um, I get veterans all the time and, uh, that tell me, well, I don't want to do it until I can do it right. Yeah. Like, but uh, you're never going to do it right until you practice. And it's, you know, may take some time and it takes everybody different amounts of time to learn certain things. But, you know, the more you do it, the better you'll get. Absolutely. Perfect practice makes perfect. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, yeah, it's so true. Right? 
Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, it's funny you mentioned that uh, the statement you made about doing it right, you know, and I felt that way during my orientational mobility training, like crossing intersections and not walking straight onto the sidewalk mm-hmm. early on. I was so pissed off. I was I, I I wanted to break my white cane and I was mad. I, I I'm just trying to be honest. I, oh, I was yeah. furious uh, in my mind. I, I, and I I tried not to take that out on people. Uh, I was good about that, um, but I definitely uh, expressed it in my own way uh, internally. And, and so yeah, um, but this this adventuring moving is what where where I pour my energy because I look at. When you take a mountain climbing expedition, the whole journey into perspective, you you have to become independent to some degree because along the journey, along the route, you're not going to always have someone that's always going to be there. You know, when you think about climbing and packing your equipment, expedition duffels, you know, the right gear for the right situations, getting that where you need to go, getting on planes, traveling to those training locations, traveling with your, your teammates, working with different teammates, you know, you know, just working on the mountain, developing all these things helped me recover. It was, I always thought, thought in my mind, I'm rehabbing. This is my rehab. I'm doing my rehab, you know, on the mountain. And it just makes me, it's made me more confident in my day-to-day life, my everyday mundane, you know, mundane life. I mean, just like the day-to-day, like living in your home, you know. So I've been able to figure out systems that help me in really austere environments. Uh, and, and so as a blind person, and, and I just feel more confident. So I, I really try to push, you know, people should try to, you know, don't go crazy, but, you know, pursue things that you don't you've never tried and 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 slowly you know find people you trust and and go at it at your pace and and make you know make good you have to work with someone that that has a sound mind and 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 develop some kind of you know rules and stuff so that you don't get hurt but a lot of times in these situations uh if you if you pick the right groups and people to work with they they are really there's more safety I'll, i'll say this when I go skiing on a mountain in Colorado at a resort town, there's a lot of organizations at these different, uh, you know, Breckenridge, BOEC, the Breckenridge Outdoor Education Center. Mm-hmm. You know, you have all the Adaptive Sports Center in Crested Butte, Steamboat Stars and, and Steamboat Springs, all these different programs. They have usually guides that work with you that have bibs and they ski with you on the mountain. And they provide all the safety and training before you go on the mountain. Uh, there are people that are sighted that just drive in and go to the top of a black slope, like black diamond <laughs> right. and just go off the slope. <laughs> so, so it's funny, you know, when I, people ask me, you know, like, well, I do so many dangerous things or, or I'm like, well, we, we really pursue a lot of safety and, and, and we learn a lot and we don't, we can't, you know, it is crazy. If you just sort of throw myself in, in something and not try to stair step up to something you're you're, you're going to get hurt you could get hurt you could right. get killed absolutely for any that's anybody that's Not, anybody yeah, yeah. yeah. Def- definitely hey, important hey, things to remember and one quick question i'm sorry leslie um, that's okay what 
what safety protocol do you have or tips do you have that a person can use or that you may use in your everyday life that you learn from your experiences from your expeditions? Well, I mean, it's it's spatial awareness. I'm I'm always um, really keen on listening, like Leslie was talking about earlier, uh, when when I'm doing things because th- this is the thing for a blind, and I'm speaking for a blind or visually you know, from the blind, you know, visually impaired perspective. But anybody can apply this. But what happens is, what I've noticed as a blind individual or person when when I work with someone. So when, when I work with someone else that's sighted, a sighted guide, as the, the term goes, uh, what can happen is I can, if I'm not careful and I'm being sighted, you know, someone's guiding me, they, I might relinquish myself to them and, and let go of my focus to stay safe and use technique like whether that's my cane or, you know, and this could just be in a parking lot or going over stairs or curbs and, and people fall, people get hurt. You know, I, I know stories, I know plenty. And, and what, what happens, and I've trained myself is, is, you know, you have, unfortunately, you know, not having the ability to see really kind of forces you to use your other senses and you have to use them in in a high level, you know, uh, at a high standard, and that's what keeps you safe. It, it keeps anybody safe, uh, especially service members serving in another, you know, in a war zone. And so um, it's the same thing. And what I'm trying to say is sometimes when 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 I relinquish myself and go on autopilot with a sighted guide, I may forget to do some of these things. And I'm practicing these things uh, all the time. I learned it from the military and I learned it from, you know, being a blind person on mountains and, 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 and doing these wild things because I'm, I'm definitely afraid of, of being seriously wounded again. You know, I have one good hand. I, I almost lost my left arm. So my right hand, it works perfectly, but my left arm, I almost lost and I have no feeling in my left hand. Fine motor skills are gone. So I'm blind with one good hand and I could easily hurt my hand or arm, you know, in any of these, and it's always on my mind. So, so like, you know, if I break my finger or something, you know, because uh, when I first came back from Iraq, I had both my arms, my left arm was completely covered up and my right hand had, met, I had metacarpal fracture. I had pins in my right hand and a cast system and I couldn't use my hands. I, I had to be mm. fed by some someone else, you know, so it was, um, challenging you know but but so i think about safety all the time because <laughs> i don't want to i don't want to harm myself but i do want to adventure and and live life you know i i definitely want to live and, and, and experience things and i i think this is something that and and i don't even give it a lot of thought it's something i kind of do automatically um but this is something that doesn't get talked about a lot is taking responsibility for yourself even when you are going sighted guide with somebody um, yes. yes. Continuing to use your cane, paying attention to your surroundings, um, and not expecting that person to be totally yeah. responsible for you and and be looking out for you because, you know, they're they're people too, and their attention can slip, or yes. they may not be able to judge a distance, you know, as accurately as they could to to know whether you're going to step off a curb or off the side of a cliff, or um, and you have to be aware. Yes, uh, I, that's what I was getting at. You as an individual, you have a lot of control, more control than you, you believe or think, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Um, 
like I said, you can't control an avalanche or a rock slide, but I can control my footstep and whether or not I should, excuse me, I should step step or not. So when I, when I use my trekking poles, you know, having a sighted guide in front of me, if they fall off a cliff, I'll hear that probably. <laughs> I'm sure Hopefully. I'll hear something. So, but you know, that we don't hope for that. I, I just, I'm just being funny, dark, humor, right. but the, <laughs> but the idea is, you know, you know, they're walking the path of least resistance. You're hoping that they're, I mean, it's really interesting. They, they have trekking poles sometimes and they're tapping rocks. They're not really even telling me anything. And I'm getting this, this sound like picture I'm following a funnel of sound, like I'm staying behind them and I'm staying within their silhouette, you know, behind, right behind them. And, mm-hmm. and they're tapping things and I'm hearing those things and, and I'm using the poles to feel, I imagine the sound coming from vibrating, you know, per, you know, coming from that location and I come to it, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm, and I just move, you know, and, and it's become very, like I said before, second nature, but it, it takes time, you know, to develop that um, after you lose your sight or lose an ability, you know, yeah, any of- it does. Absolutely. And all, you know, all those senses that we, you know, um, when you lose one sense, the others are there and you don't realize often how much those senses work. Um, I think, you know, especially when you have vision um, you often forget to pay attention to your other senses. And yes. so it's not, you know, a superpower that you develop when you lose your sight. It's just that you become much more aware of what those exactly. other senses are telling you. And, you know, like I said, I've been blind for about six years now and, and I, I often don't miss it. I, I don't miss being able to see because I get so much information through my other senses that I build that mental picture. Yes. And sometimes when I think back on something, I see it so clearly in my head that I think, "What did I see that? Nope, not possible. Okay. Time to on. <laughs> yeah. I have the same, same feeling and experiences. I, I was like, did I, did I, did I see that? Was I, was I, did I watch that movie? Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just my imagination, I guess. Uh, yeah. That's often, that's often what I tell people as well. Like, um, I also work in a dining in the dark restaurant, Steve. So, oh, cool. Um, I've been to a few. So yes, yeah, so people are very often asking me questions, and <laughs> one of the most popular ones is, "Are your senses heightened?" I'm sure you've heard that one a yeah, million oh, yeah. times. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> my response is no. <laughs> like I'm just more aware of using my other senses. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so it, it's it's a fun experience experiencing other things through your other senses versus seeing them it's one yeah i, mean, you know, I don't really know yeah. anything different but uh well i mean it's you can always put yourself in those environments you know uh, uh, sometimes it's cool to be when we were kayaking so i kayaked through the grand canyon uh, in my own hard shell in my own river kayak you know with three guides 226 miles down the Colorado River through the Grand Canyon, some some of the most pursued whitewater, you know, big whitewater, and uh, it, it just getting off the, the the river and hiking up these slot canyons and stuff, and clo- you know, if you were like closing, if you closed your eyes like some of our sighted counterparts did, and listen to the silence or listen to the you know hawks or, or or the vultures or whatever, you know, it's just an amazing experience and. 
So, you know, I, yeah, even though I've lost my sight, I've found ways to cherish moments, you know, and enjoy uh, places, even though I, I've, you know, I've stared down in the Grand Canyon when I lived in Arizona when I was young, but uh, I never, I never voyaged, you know, took a journey down into it. And so it was a cool experience to, to think about it from the rim as a sighted person and down in it as a blind person. And, so uh, very cool. Yeah. Are we, are we, when, is, when is this book coming out? So I'm all about people writing books. So, <laughs> uh, do we already have a title for it? You know, uh, movement is living or moving is living. There's a title for it. So you don't realize you have a book ready. You have a book ready. Or a uh, YouTube documentary. <laughs> I love well, this stuff too. Uh, yeah, I've been in a few different things like documentaries and stuff. Main, you know, some educational. Uh, Going Blind is a film about losing sight, of course. And uh, uh, there was a gentleman, Joe Lovett, who who uh, was a prof- is a film producer and 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 lives in New York, and he produced that film. And there's there's a there's some small clips because uh, Google sponsored our Grand Canyon trip. And High Ground is a film about us uh, uh, some veterans climb that that I was a group of veterans that I was part of climbing in the Himalayas near Mount Everest. Uh, on a 20, on a peak as high as Denali, which is Alaska, you know, North America's tallest peak in Alaska, McKinley. And so uh, there's, there's other things out there, but I've, I've not written a book um, and, uh, and, and no specific documentary about me. Uh, I think I haven't lived enough life yet you know, to write, but, <laughs> but uh, I don't know, some, someday people keep, keep asking that uh, I do speak a lot. I used to anyway, not, not, mm-hmm. not so much now, but uh, to kids, I have a, I have a foundation. My book was going to be called blind endeavors. And I created a nonprofit because, like you know, sometimes in life we're on a blind, we're on a path that we don't really know or understand on a blind endeavor. And, you know, you got to find yourself uh, sometimes and get, you know, get back on track. And, and so uh, I, I, maybe I'll write it someday, uh, but yeah, and, and share these things I'm telling you guys and many other wild <laughs> stories. Uh, but yeah, yeah, someday. So that's See, something. Writing is living. Writing is living. I can't play with you because I'm not going to the Himalayas. I've heard some bad things about that. So I don't care. You're, you're blind or sighted. God bless you for doing it. It's not going to be me. So, you know, I, I just think it's awesome that anyone's willing to do it. I just don't have the desire because it's there when I climb it. No, <laughs> the stairs I'll climb it. That's about it. I am not climbing uh, the mountain. I mean, I, I respect I, I, it, I man. Have before, but. I respect. Yeah. Hey, you served, bro. The um, <laughs> the, you, you that some people won't do that. <laughs> so so, you know, it's it's, a, it's 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 what you want to do in life. You know, yeah. yeah. You, don't ever. I try not to compare myself to others. I think it's sometimes the worst thing you can do. Just really, you know, try to. Try to embrace, you know, embrace the things that you dream about in your mind and, and pursue it, man. You know, do the stuff you really want to do, you know, and that's that's what I would tell people, uh, you know, they're listening um, or who need help or want to try to do something, you know, extraordinary. Yeah. Mountains and trees, man. Mountains and trees. I'm going on trees, too. I don't need to count on trees. Uh, oh, come on, man. I, man, there I used to be I've, no I've better time than than me walking past a tree and going, God, I, that tree looks so beautiful. I just want to climb up in there and sit and, you know, read a book or. 
Do you need a treehouse? That terrifies me. I would me. love a treehouse. <laughs> you going to build me one? Well, you can, and then he will come by and he'll climb it. Ta-da! Ta-da! Yeah, Simple. it's... <laughs> it's good, cool stuff, you know. But but rock climbing for me was... And, and my instructor told me, you know, I had a really great attitude about this, was it wasn't always about getting to the top. It was about yeah. getting just a little bit further. It didn't matter if I didn't make it to the top, if I could, if I could go out there and make it one more inch the next day. Um, yeah. And I don't even I, mind I, the I hitchhikers, you know, the, the big spiders and the, the mice. And <laughs> there were times <laughs> I wish they'd get behind and push, but. Oh, I've been there too. Yeah. This last climb I was on, in the Andes in South America on the border of Argentina and Chile. It's the, it's this, the Western hemisphere's tallest mountain. It's uh, called Aconcagua and it's a, it's a, it's 23,000, nearly 23,000 foot mountain. Um, it's a long trip. It's like a you know, 60 mile journey. It's a 23 day, you know, expedition, um, no showers, you know, you know, really it's just, you know, it's just humping it, you know, you're yeah. just in the back country and, and you really are just along alongside your, your, your teammates have to be self-sufficient. And I really absolutely love that kind of stuff. You know, uh, like I said, uh, maybe because I couldn't prove myself in the army and what I wanted to do there, I, I I've just used that kind of drive an energy for my rehab and recovery and to pursue some of the things that I've wanted to do always, but you know, it's, 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 it's definitely, you don't have to always get to the top. What, 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 you know, what you're saying, I've been on plenty of mountains where I didn't feel safe. I didn't feel, you know, like maybe, you know, getting to the top is only halfway, you know, you have to get all the way back down. So that's right. So it's, it's important to, to gauge and know yourself, you know, and understand your capabilities uh, because uh, that's, 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 that's what helps us uh, survive and, <laughs> and get through things and, 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 and uh, adapt, you know, so. And I love that you think of your, your activities as rehab. Uh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> it is. I think it's, a, it helped me. I don't know. Maybe that's just the way I spin it, and you know, it's just some something I'm telling myself to help me. You know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I do believe that it's been rehab for me. You know, I, I hated the term term rehab when I, I was told I was going to go to blind rehabilitation. Mm -hmm. But uh, I'm so glad that I went. Uh, I didn't. I did not want to not go. I, I, I just. Um, I was uh, I was like, am I an alcoholic or something? Or <laughs> I don't know why I interpreted it as wrong. I was like, why? Why am I going? Oh, oh that's right. I'm, I need to recover. That, that makes sense. I'm rehabbing. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I like that term, uh, Steve, because it reminds me. I mean, because I, I, I teach martial arts, so I own a martial arts studio. I had one student come in. Uh, it's been with me for a few years now, and he revealed to me that he. Uh, when he came in, he was in a dark place because he was just going through a divorce and all this stuff. So all this mental anguish and hostility he was going through. And he came to classes like really, if he could come every day of the week, he would have. Yeah. Um, in a sense, I, I mean, thinking from what you're talking about, this was like rehab for him. Mm -hmm. You know, so it doesn't have to be because you're, oh, you're drinking or drugs or, you know, just physically. But, you know, um, for anybody mentally and physically, you got to stop 
reevaluate yourself. And this is, you know, this is part of, in a sense, kind of part of safety. Because if you can't get yourself mentally strong or physically strong again, or, or at least capable of doing things again, then you're not living. Yeah. You know? So I thought, so yeah. So I think I'm gonna start using that term rehab when I start talking to people about their training and what they're trying to get out of it. Uh, I think yeah. we, I think we use certain words a certain way, and then it gets looked at as a negative in some cases when yeah. actually it's not. So yeah. So I say keep using that rehab because I'm gonna start using it. I use a lot of things you said today. So I'm just going to tell you right now. It might be a book out called Movement Living and like George Freeman. Like, what the heck? Hey, you're going to drag your feet on it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'd love that. Yeah, you write it together. There you go. There you go. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I, yeah, you know, it is. It's 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 mental mindset. I'll tell you, serving in the military, you know, it's my war experience and 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 then this my being disabled. So, you know, don't diss my ability, but <laughs> but being disabled, uh, you know, I I think it's important to to strengthen the mind because really climbing the mountain was a mental mentally exhausting task. It wasn't it was physically daunting, but more than anything, thinking about every step, every inch of the mountain being safe in some of the most dangerous sections. Um, you know, I've literally walked along a six hundred foot cliff. With one foot in front of the other, holding you know, holding onto my guide's backpack, and, and I can lean to the right and touch a wall, and, and you know, for like forty-five feet or something, you know, and you know, you know that you can feel the void, you know, oh, yeah. the, the drop-off, you know, the sound just travels infinitely, and so, you know, but it's these these this feeling of always being on your game in your mind, which is really exhausting and and. So definitely, George, yeah, and Leslie, it's, it's, it's important to have a strong mind. Agreed. So before we wrap things up for today, um, you mentioned your organization, Blind Endeavors, earlier. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, Blind Endeavors is a very small organization, but we, we, have, we do a lot of different things, and, and we're growing. Uh, COVID has is, is kind of caused a lot of problems, but... Uh, but we're, we're, we're adapting, right? We want to challenge people to move. You know, I told you that moving is living. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to harness this idea that you can recover and rehab through activity and it can help you with your day-to-day -day life. And so we do a lot of similar things to other organizations where we bring people in and, and give them community they, we put them alongside different other blind individuals or visually impaired individuals uh, with different, you know, experiences. Some are new to being blind, some are are not so new, and and we challenge them. You know, we put them on a on a long bike ride. We've done tandem bike rides, and we've done climbing events. Uh, we've worked with the U.S. Army Rangers at Camp Frank D. Merrill in Georgia, uh, at, at there where Mountain Phase of Ranger School is. I've got a lot of buddies uh, in the special operations community, but also rangers. And, and so we go up there and we give people a taste of, of what it means to climb on some of those obstacles and some of the, the, mount, the, the, the terrain that the rangers work on. Uh, they actually want to implement some blindfolds with the rangers, I think. <laughs> so, I, but, I uh, go. But, but, but yeah, that, that, right? that, kind, of, go. that kind of stuff. <laughs> 
that's what we try to do. And I'm hoping to develop some some research stuff with schools, uh, you know, and projects that students can take on and, and, and kind of combine this and, and, and make it come full circle uh, and, and do different things, even with technology, you know, because I've used technology in, in different ways. So, yeah, it's, it's about moving. It's about sports and fitness and recreation and about community and about, you know, about learning from others and, 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 and other people drive, you know, motivating each other to improve their lives and, and recover. Yeah. I like that. Very I nice. love it. Well, thank you so much for having me, Leslie and Megan and George. Pleasure. Yeah. We've really enjoyed having you on the show today. So uh, Steve, where can people find you out in the world on the web? <laughs> well, you could visit, I have a website, it's uh, baskis.com or stevebaskis.com. My last name is B as in Bravo, A-S-K-I-S. And on there at the top of that uh, web, uh, you know, uh, website, you, you can get all my social media and stuff. So, so that's probably the best place to uh, find information about the foundation and, and myself. Okay, awesome. And you have a podcast as well. I do. Yeah, it's, it's all over the place. Uh, I, I, I interview different people, doctors, scientists, uh, and just regular Joes talk about different things. Hopefully I'll have a format someday, but it's a, it's a hobby. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. It's called, it's called Baskis 360, but I have a spin on it. It's a, it's B360 degrees aware is the motto. It's B360. So, um, and, and I do a lot of other things uh, on my channels to try to spread information about things I'm pursuing and more to come. As, as time marches on. Very nice. So I've listened to a few episodes of it. Really enjoyed it. <laughs> Thank you. So I'm you going can... to add it to my feed. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Right. So you can find us on the web at uh, look for Hands on Safety Podcast on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter at hands underscore safety. And you can send us an email to feedback at handsonsafety.net. We always love hearing from our listeners on uh, what they think of our shows, suggestions for future shows, just anything you want to tell us. And you can check out our website at handsonsafety.net. So thank you, everyone, for joining us today. And we look forward to bringing you another episode next month. Thanks, thanks for joining again, us, Steve. Steve. Thank you. Take care, everybody. You guys do as well.